Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Welcome to HIV Hope and Charity, a podcast series brought to you by TVPS, a charity that's been supporting people affected by HIV since 1985. I'm Sarah. And I'm Jess and we work for TVPS and our aim is to get as many people as possible HIV educated. If you like the podcast, please rate, subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Oh, hello. Welcome to HIV Hope and Charity. An HIV history edition blood scandal part two. Indeed it is. How are you? Are you okay? I'm good, actually. I'm good. Sarah's just been looking up. Um, you're a bit obsessed with flight paths aren't you and and helicopters and things so literally just before this we were having to wait because I thought uh there was a helicopter well there was a helicopter I didn't think there was a helicopter coming over my house and Sarah you were just having a little look for me weren't you what it was and where it was going just reassuring me that everything's fine I'm gonna add it to my list of interests Lego Olympics Lily Put Lane Eh, no not Lily Put Lane that was a secret remember episodes of friends and helicopters and the 80s come on like your main staple and the 80s. I feel people know a lot about my likes and not so much about yours. Hey, remember, mine's trashy TV and then, you know, crime dramas or documentaries. Murder. Oh, I don't know if I'd go that far, but <laughs> possibly, yeah. Just anything a bit macabre, I think. A bit dark, yes. Yeah, love a drama. You know when you see those adverts on, like, TV for coming this autumn, I'm like, yes! But I only like a binge. I don't want to watch them a week at a time. No, thank you. Not interested. I want the entire thing in one go in one day. Oh my gosh. I'm the opposite. I like a weekly, a weekly program. But how do you how do you keep up? How do you stay interested? My interest is just gone and I've already forgotten. Unless it's immediate. Oh, but then it's like you, you know, especially if it's a program that makes you think, you can kind of mull it over for the rest of the week and then it comes on and you're like, oh gosh. Oh, I yeah. See. I suppose. Well, perhaps I'm not. Well, as we know, I'm not watching things that take tons of thinking about. No, we're normal. Watching Love is Blind, things like that. 
yeah i have no shame it's fine it's fine um but i have something for you this week oh so yes yes please last week's episode i asked so many questions that we didn't have the answers to so i went away and found the answers oh very good so i asked does america do you, do, do people still get paid for blood donation now the answer is yes, but it's not blood donation. You get paid for plasma donation, not blood. But obviously it's taken in a not dissimilar way, I think. Obviously, I'm not a medical professional. Um, now, I also asked, how much is it sold for? And this is present day. So I know, obviously, what we're talking about is kind of 80s, 90s sort of time. So present day, you can get 20 to $50 per donation. Now, the more you weigh, the more plasma you can donate and therefore the more money you'll make. So if you're larger, you can make more money. Yes, that is very true. And this is quite shocking. Again, I'd said, how often can you do it? So how often can you donate? So through the American Red Cross, they only let you donate once every 28 days. But private centres let you donate up to twice in seven days if you have at least one day in between. So it can be fairly lucrative. Uh, Yeah, I'm not encouraging anyone that this is a... A career path. Mm. But people can supplement their income by selling their plasma. From what I have found on the internet, and like we always mm. do, I'll put my sources, but it would appear so, yes. I didn't know that. Me neither. And as far as I know, that doesn't happen in the UK. No. And then the last thing that I did ask was, did the prisoners get paid? Because obviously here, I suppose I was equating it to in the UK, where if you're in prison, you don't have the right to vote anymore, do you? Well, not forever, just while you're in prison so I didn't know if that might have affected them but we thought they would have got paid didn't we now I look this up and they did and it was seven this was obviously back in the day so this was seven to ten dollars per donation and I found that out because I haven't watched it myself yet but I'm going to give it a go there's a whole documentary called factor eight the Arkansas prison blood scandal and it was oh. where loads of the prisoners from this prison in Arkansas. It's so hard for me to say Arkansas because written down, I want to say Arkansas. <laughs> All I want to say. So I'm really concentrating on not saying it phonetically. Um, but I'm going to go away and watch that because obviously it relates to everything we're talking about. Wow. So they were selling their plasma whilst they were in prison. So they were making an income. And that's not pennies back in the 80s, is it? No. So this was this. the this was talking about from the 70s to the 80s and this is exactly the whole figure eight thing that we were talking about last week um with the HIV and the hepatitis the blood scandal oh my goodness but seven to ten dollars per donation and imagine if they were letting people donate twice a week so your body must replenish that plasma really quickly I mean, we're, we're obviously now going to highlight how little medical knowledge. Yes, yes, we are. Because I have, I don't know why I'm nodding. I've got no idea. No, well, it must do. But then yeah. would the Red Cross say 28 days? But a pro- well, I suppose a private clinic's not really that bothered about your health. Yeah. Well, good research. I know. Right? Well, I just thought I'd answer them because obviously you're always giving me lots of amazing information. And I thought I'd just join in because I asked so many questions last week. Very good. Should we look at this week's episode? Yes. Is this one also going to be called That's Outrageous? Just like part one. A little bit, maybe. Right. Well, I I don't know. I mean, I've looked at this, as you know, being outraged throughout. So you're going to be my benchmark of whether I'm too outraged or whether I should just dial it down a little bit because these things happen. Even as I'm saying it, that's rubbish. These things don't happen. Do they? 
I don't think they do. I, I feel like no one could ever be outraged enough, if I'm honest. I think this podcast is just going to stoke your outrage. Oh, okay. Well, let's see how we go. So we are talking about the contaminated blood scandal. So in the last episode, we talked about what it is. I didn't even come out. See, I'm outraged already. I can't speak. In the last episode, we talked about what it is and how it occurred. This time, we're looking at what happened next. So should we talk compensation? So haemophiliacs have been given blood treatments that contained the HIV virus. So, of course, they should be compensated. They didn't know there were any risks when they were receiving the treatment. So it seems logical to me that compensation must be on the table. No. What? No compensation has ever been paid to the victims of the scandal. Oh, I had to try so hard not to swear then. I was going to say F off. Seriously, that can't be true. It is true. So they do receive some money. So in 1989, the UK government announced ex gratia payments to people infected with HIV. And in 2004, another fund to make payments to people infected with hepatitis was launched by the government. 20 years later, 20 years after this all happened. And how many people had possibly uh, passed away at that point? Exactly. Now, those schemes were merged in 2017 and they were replaced by something called the Infected Blood Support Schemes. And they run across England, Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland. And they provide payments for those that have been affected by this, but it's not compensation. So obviously, I've looked at the Infected Blood Support Scheme. I don't think it's that easy to follow. It could just be me. I think people who are infected with HIV are receiving an annual payment. And I think it's around £28,000 per year, but I'm not sure. It's not very clear because the payments have never been regulated. So England, uh, Wales, Northern Ireland and Scotland in the past have all paid different amounts. So it really was a postcode lottery as to where you lived. Now it's all standardised, but in the past... Different organisations were managing the payments. Uh, so it was it's quite complex to understand who was receiving money from who. Some received lump payments, some received annual payments. But I think now, I think they get an annual payment. And I know some people will go, well, that's quite a lot of money, actually. But you have to remember that these people are living with two lifelong, sometimes debilitating conditions. And in some cases, they've also had hepatitis as well. Some of them have, haven't been able to work. They were diagnosed at a time when there wasn't any HIV treatment and that's done irreparable damage to their immune system. I mean, I'm glad they're receiving money. I think that's that's definitely good. But it's still it's like a token gesture, isn't it? Mm. That, I mean, nobody's going to knock being given some money because of, of what's happened. Um, and people who just just had hepatitis, I mean, that's just as bad, obviously receive less money than people who are infected with HIV. And the payments, you know, they're there to help people manage on a day-to-day basis. So some people are going to have increased costs because of their health. But as I keep saying, it's not compensation. Compensation is, you know, to compensate them for the error that happened in the first place. This is just money to help them manage on a daily basis. Yes, there's a difference. There is a difference. And that's the point, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. Should we look at where we are now? Yes. I just wanted to apologise because there seems to be someone cutting a tree down near my house. So if anyone had a little chainsaw action, just feel free to ignore it. I definitely didn't. Amazing. Fully expecting a tree to come (laughs) crashing down now. (laughs) Through the window any second. Brilliant. Or just a little man on a ladder or a woman flying past my window. 
Yes. I'll let yeah. you know if that happens. Please do. I mean, you're a tree professional, so you'll just carry on recording this. <laughs> I'll just apologise. I won't help them. I'll just be like, sorry, there's somebody that's just fallen off a ladder outside. Just ignore their cries for help. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, okay. So in 2017, Prime Minister Theresa May, she announced that a statutory public inquiry would be held into the contaminated blood scandal. 30 years later, just 30 years after this happened. Why so long? Three decades. And I know some people might think, well, that's an acceptable amount of time. How does that compare to other inquiries? So there's another inquiry going on at the moment, actually, that you might have heard about involving the post office. It's where 700 sub-postmasters were wrongfully prosecuted and in some cases sent to prison for theft and false accounting for what later turned out to be a software error. Obviously, you need an inquiry into that. They need to be compensated for what happened to them. The whole kind of debacle started in 1999 and the inquiry was initiated in 2020, so 20 years later. Still less time than the blood scandal, but still a long time for people to wait. So they do take time. And I think, I mean, I have no proof of this, but I do think if the government might be liable for compensation, perhaps they do eke it out as long as they can. And I think perhaps, and I'm going to show you my cynical side now, maybe the speed at which the inquiries are ordered, might possibly is it linked to the amount of press coverage or publicity that that issue is receiving? Because let's remember this Blood scandal was never talked about very much. It affected quite a small group of people and they have been campaigning for inquiry for a long time. But did it just not capture the press's attention? Did they not push? Because the press have huge power. Did the press not push the government for this? So the government thought, well, we'll just let it lie and we won't look into it. If you're not being pushed on it, if you're not, if no one's forcing your hand, it's like, let's just, if we can just sweep this under the carpet for as long as possible. I never looked at it like that, but you're right. There are, you know, the press can put lots of pressure on. Why was no one, did people just not want to know? No, I mean, the Haemophilia Society, uh, we mentioned last time, their website is fantastic. And we've, we've gathered a lot of information from there. They have on their website, it says, since that announcement, more than 100 people infected and affected by the scandal have died, and more will die before the inquiry reaches its conclusion. And they've been campaigning themselves for an inquiry since 1988. That's really heartbreaking that people so well, so many people have died already, and more will have passed away before there's even an outcome of this inquiry. Yeah, they will never receive justice for this. This is that's awful terrible. from start to finish, isn't it? From from every point, like we're saying, from what actually happened to the no compensation to not ha- 20 years, then 30 years and not having the, oh, not having an answer. I know. So the inquiry, so it opened in April 2019. Um, it's still ongoing now. So the purpose of it is to establish the facts. So the people who were affected by this say that the risks were never explained to them and that the scandal was covered up. And the inquiry will hear from people, not only the people infected or affected by the scandal, but of course, medical professionals, so many different specialities. So not just HIV, hepatitis, and of course, haemophilia, but blood experts, plasma experts, lab representatives, scientists. They're going to speak to blood services, NHS bodies, haemophilia centres, along with people from government. And then they're going to collate all that evidence, consider it, and then they'll make recommendations about what should happen next. It is a long process. That's a massively long process and sort of, I don't know if I'm just being an idiot here. I mean, that's probably quite what I am being. 
but what I know they're saying recommendations about what happens next in what respect so much time has passed so much as like the damage is done right Absolutely. Yes. Yes. So I think they are obviously quite limited in the recommendations that would come out of the report. But I think also what I hope comes out of the report is we find out who's accountable for this because somebody, somebody is. I mean, the inquiry is massive. It would take ages to sift through all the evidence that's, that's been spoken about so far. And also, it's not fair, I suppose, because some of the people probably wouldn't want to be in the the public spotlight. They're just doing their jobs. So I've looked at people in government and kind of what they've contributed to the inquiry, starting with Matt Hancock, who at the time was health secretary. So he said at the inquiry, if the inquiry recommends compensation, the government will pay it. So you think, okay, but then you think, well, no, hold on, let's just let that sink in for a moment. The government are saying they would pay, but only if they were instructed to. (laughs) All the bush baby eyes are back. Because it just goes on and on, doesn't it? It's, I don't want to say comedy of errors because it's not funny at all. It's just a, something after another, after another, after another. And that is a horrific standpoint. You might cover this later, but has there ever even been an apology? No, I don't think there has. So that's what you would also hope would come out of the inquiry. I mean, I think probably the government, when Theresa May announced there was going to be an inquiry, I don't know if she did apologise, actually, because that's almost an admission of guilt, isn't it? And that's probably what they're sidestepping. Perhaps they're not allowed to. A bit like when you hit another car and you're told never to say it's your fault, are you? Yeah, Um, don't admit responsibility for it. So perhaps that's it, but I just think that's horrendous. I think at at the absolute bare minimum, there needs to be a public acknowledgement and apology. Definitely. And the thing is, I mean, there's no doubt people have lost their lives because they were given infected blood. I don't think anybody is doubting that. And yet they are going to put people through a long inquiry to see whether they're entitled to compensation. I just don't get it. Well, it's just stringing it out more and more, isn't it? And the cynic in me actually sort of says, well, the longer you string it out and the more people that perhaps aren't around, sadly, anymore, surely that's the less compensation that you're paying, right? I guess so, unless you're going to pay it out to the families. Oh, I hope so. I guess I hadn't thought of that. I hope so. But yeah, certainly, you know, the, the fewer people that are still alive that can talk about this and how it affected their lives personally, I think it does make it easier for the government. It's why it's so horrific. And I don't, you know, it might sound like I am getting a bit political. Why have I just picked kind of government representatives to say what they've said at the inquiry? And we should point out all the main parties have been in power in one form or another. So Labour, Conservative, Liberal Democrats, coalitions, all of them have been in power since 1985. And that's so they're all culpable. And that's why it's an absolute travesty. None of them have stepped up to the mark until Theresa May did and said, yes, there should be an inquiry into this. So I'm mad at everybody, basically. Yeah, it's not a certain political party. I know people probably think we have certain views, which maybe we We, maybe we do. But I see what you're saying. Actually, this is just across the board, just horrendous. Absolutely, yes. And yeah, of course, we've got political views. They aren't the views of TVPS. Or the podcast. No, or the podcast. Oh, who else? Lord Fowler. Lord Fowler, one of our favourites. I love to plug a previous podcast, so I'm going to do it. Everyone go and listen to Lord Fowler podcast. So he was questioned. He was questioned about the AIDS campaign that we talk about in his episode. And he was asked whether any consideration was given, a conscious consideration was given on what the impact might be of the AIDS campaign 
on this already vilified cohort. So in other words, did you consider that haemophiliacs might experience even more stigma because you're doing this campaign? Because remember, we said in the last episode, people assumed if you were a haemophiliac, you just had AIDS. They didn't understand that you would have had to contract it from infected blood. Now, he said, well, you know, you've got to make some choices. We've talked about this in his episode. And the greater choice was first and foremost to actually prevent the epidemic going even further. He then went on to say that the campaign was probably one of the most successful since the war. We know it was. 96% of the population knew more about AIDS after the campaign. Part of me does think, well, it's great that you've pointed that out, but pretty sure that's a great comfort to haemophiliacs everywhere is it yeah all people that face that horrendous stigma because we had this don't die of ignorance campaign that was scaring everyone to death but it was super successful well done you no yeah. I'm, I'm joking i'm joking i know it was i know it's good because we talked about this before like you said it's great from a public health point of view but yes i don't know if i would be feeling that great about it if i was in this group of haemophiliacs that had contracted don't know if i'd be that happy for him that it was you know the most successful campaign no, is it was it was it the time to kind of point that out? I like really not. He's taken any opportunity to his own horn. Yeah, definitely. And I think, you know, were the government focused on prevention of further infection without considering those most at risk? Because out of all the groups affected or the groups that we knew were at risk at that time, people with haemophilia were at the most at risk because they had no choices. So if you've been highlighted as a group at risk and as the kind of pandemic went on, we knew how to protect those people using condoms, for example, or for drug users, not sharing needles. But there was no, what's the word I'm looking for? For haemophiliacs, there was no advice. There's no, there's no alternative. There's no advice. It's no, you, this is medical treatment that you have to have. So like you're saying, they had no choices. It's not good. Lord Clark, he was another one who spoke. So he was health minister and then health secretary. So he was health secretary after Lord Fowler. Forgot his name then. Gosh. You were so annoyed with him for just beating himself up in the inquiry. (laughs) He's dead to me. Yeah, he is. He did good work in our podcast episode, but now ruined it all. So Lord Clark, so he was health secretary after Lord Fowler. Now he was questioned and he said it was not, his blood products basically were not his responsibility during his time in either role, which does beg the question, well, who was responsible? If it's not the health secretary's responsibilities, whose is it? Whose is it? Do we know? No. And that's one of the challenges of the inquiry. Who is accountable for this? If the health secretary is saying, it's not me. Who else just, was it? That's such a cop out, though, isn't it? That's like when you when you go to someone and say, "Has, has this happened?" Like in a working environment, someone they go, "Oh, I don't know. It's not. It's not mine. It's not me." You're just like, "Right, well, okay, that's not why I'm asking. Let's, you know, be helpful." Good grief. The thing is, there are there could be serious consequences for anyone who is found accountable. So, at the opening of the inquiry, it was announced that criminal trials could follow. Now, there's a dedicated website for the inquiry. So if anybody wants to know more information, we'll put the link up as usual. But yeah, now perhaps you see why no one's willing to put their hands up. Why would they say that right at the start? I know obviously you can't coax people, like lie to them and things. But who's going to go, yeah, it was me, soz guys. People aren't going to do that. Is the inquiry going to be honest? Are people going to be honest when they're talking about it? Because I don't feel that's that. yeah, that's what they that's when it comes to the recommendations, that's what they need to consider because there are questions, really serious questions actually, that you hope they're going to answer. 
So things like why haemophiliacs were given infected blood. That's a key question. How long this continued after the NHS and government knew the risks involved? That's another key question. We covered in the last episode that they they knew about this from 1983. Why was factor eight sourced from abroad? Given the government had confirmed in 1975 that UK, that the UK would be self-sufficient in blood products. What happened there? Was the scandal deliberately concealed? It's taken an awful long time to get to an inquiry. And why has it taken so long to get to this point? So that's the answers that hopefully the inquiry will address, as well as saying who had ultimate responsibility for this. Mm. And do we know how long it might be? Or is it, you know, how long's a piece of string sort of situation till we get an outcome? I think they've got a time frame up to the end of the year. So hopefully it will be decided after that. We maybe we can mm. do maybe we'll be doing yeah. part three to look into what actually has happened in the outcome. Oh, oh, definitely. Yeah. And what happens next? Now, I should point out, this isn't just a UK thing for anybody that's thinking, how did the UK get it so wrong? No, no, no. The BBC website very helpfully had an article about this. So there were thousands of cases of people being given infected blood in America. But other countries during the 70s and 80s also imported blood products from the States. So countries including France, Ireland, Portugal, Italy, Japan, Canada, Iran and Iraq, they've all been caught up in this. So it's not a UK issue. So in America, companies that supplied infected products have paid out millions, millions of dollars in out-of-court settlements. In other countries, politicians and drug companies have been convicted of negligence. And that's what could happen here, depending on the outcome of the so other co- other countries are slightly ahead of us in terms of inquiries, holding people accountable and compensation, it would appear. Yeah, far, far ahead of us in, in the fact that they have sewn this up now and people have been prosecuted for it. And we lag so far behind in addressing this. And that really is the main reason for me being so cross, because why? Why, can, why are we allowed to treat people this way? And other countries have seen the damage it's done to people and that it's a situation that needs to be addressed. I can't answer that for you, but do you know what I am going to say? That is outrageous because it really is. And I can see why you're so mad. Yeah, why do we? Why do we think that's all right or appropriate? And that must be really hard for people here who have been caught up in this scandal because actually you're seeing all of this other resolution and, and other places taking responsibility for what's happened. But here, no, we're still not doing that. Just a bit more time, you know. It's just so wrong, isn't it? Yeah. And I know look, we've, we've focused on HIV with the scandal because we're an HIV charity. There's an article in The Guardian. It was published in 2020. And it summarises some of the other evidence given at the inquiry from people who contracted hepatitis. So some of them weren't even told that they had it. Some people contracted through blood transfusions that weren't haemophiliacs. They, you know, they needed an emergency transfusion. And it kind of focuses on all of those people. And the article talks about how insensitively people were told. So some just received a letter to tell them that they had hepatitis. Some had to try and explain to their children that they'd been affected. Lots of them given examples of stigma they've experienced. It's actually quite a heart wrenching tough read but really worthwhile if you want to understand just how far-reaching this scandal was oh definitely we're going to put the link up for that right 
Yeah, yeah, we will do. We've had a lot of feedback about episode one, and I know it's really resonated with a lot of people and they have wanted more information and to go and read things. So yeah, amazing. I know, but for us, that is all you need to know at the moment about the contaminated blood scandal. I can't even speak about the contaminated blood scandal. Because steam's coming out your ears. You're like, I know, I mean, I've been told that I've got quite a strong moral compass and I do have, but this is just off the scale for me. I just can't get my head around how unjust it is. It waits completely. It's awful. And it's hard to actually comment on it. Of course, it's out. It's really obvious that it's so unbelievably wrong, isn't it? And it feels a bit like even this isn't enough. Just being like, oh, that's awful. It's like, because I I can't even imagine what these people have been through and how they feel and still to have no answers. I hope we're going to be like, well, we are. We're going to say, watch this space. As in, for now, this is all we need to know. But we, as we've said, when there's an, an outcome to the inquiry, let's definitely do a part three. Yes. Yeah. And hopefully it will be a good outcome and a happier, happier podcast. Where I, I hope calm. so. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not that hopeful. <laughs> I'm more cynical than you. So I'm a bit like, I feel like your rage will be like plus 100 when we come to do this. If you're at a 10 now, I mean, I feel like you will be steaming. Do you know, next week, we're going to do a happier episode. Really? Yeah, we are. I can't, I can't get any worse. It's got to get better. We need a light, a lighter break, don't we? Mm. And we need to digest this. Like you're saying, sometimes when you watch a programme, you need to just have a bit of a think about it. We need some time just to fully digest what's happened in all of this because it's so awful. And on that note, what will you be doing now to try and get less angry before you go home to your children? Oh. Don't worry, I won't take the force of my anger out on them. I'm going to take some cleansing breaths. Oh, very nice. Okay. And I wander like- around our lovely centre because I'm in work today. So we've got kind of lots going on later. So I need to be here. But our centre is quite calming, isn't it? It's very calming, I have to say. It's so homely. Yeah, I'm a bit jealous that you're there, actually. I'm here with my dog barking. So what I might do to just take everything in and regroup, just maybe take him out on a little walk. Oh, that's lovely. I'm going to our living room in our centre. The settee in there is the perfect size for me just to lie on. Are you going to take your shoes off, though? Because I have to let everyone into the secret that Sarah is crazy about keeping it lovely because our centre <laughs> is so nice. <laughs> she, she gets very funny. She wants, she wants always to be nice. We must clean it all the time. But I am working on the fact because I realise that everyone sat, whenever anyone sat down, we want the place to be very welcoming for people. And whenever anybody sat on the settee and just sat on one of the cushions, I could feel myself bristling. Your eyebrow twitching. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, on that note, I don't know if you can hear my dog, but I think I'm off to um, go and take him. He understands about the cushions. Thank you, Jimbo. (laughs) He certainly apparently does. Okay, well, I look forward to a lighter one. Thank you so much, because honestly, these last two episodes, all of the episodes that we do, I find really fascinating. I say it every single week. Everyone must get bored of me saying it, but especially these two, something that we so needed more information on. And actually, yesterday, I was telling someone all about what a lambskin condom was thanks to you they were horrified just to let you know that and on that note i'll see you next week thank you for listening to hiv hope and charity if you'd like to know more about the work that we do visit tvps.org.uk and please like subscribe and rate the podcast if you enjoyed it ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row 
Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.